0: On this episode, I speak with Brandon Voss. Brandon is the Director of Training and Operations at Black Swan Limited, a company founded by his father, Chris Voss. Chris is a former FBI high-stakes negotiator who, much like the movies, has had to negotiate with bank robbers, terrorists, and kidnappers in life-or-death situations. As you can imagine, there are many techniques that can also be used in business deals and negotiating with clients. Brandon and I speak about how to get people to respond quickly to your emails, how to make your borrowers feel safe enough to move forward, and why starting from a place of no is actually a good thing. Listen close as Brandon reveals proven hostage negotiation techniques to help you succeed in your day-to-day business. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million-dollar opportunities. All right, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to, to be with you today. You know, this is—I think this is going to be a cool thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to talk about some of this stuff.
0: That's great. So, um, your company is Black Swan. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what you guys are about. So,
1: you know, we, we like to think of ourselves as a, as a strategic business advisory firm that really focuses on negotiation and, and the negotiation that uh, the foundation and, and where it comes from is from the hostage negotiation world.
0: That's great. So, um, hostage negotiations, that's, uh, that's something, you know, we see on TV, right? in movies typically, um, how does that relate, would you say to business? Cause I know it does, right? Cause you're, cause your dad, Chris, he, he's, uh, taught at Harvard and, and things like that. Correct. As a professor.
1: Yeah, he has. He's, he's taught at Harvard. He's taught at, um, he's taught at Georgetown. He's taught at, he's taught at USC, and um, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of experience both uh, you know in, a, in in the academic world and, and then in the business world, private sector and hostage negotiation world. So yeah, he's been all over.
0: So how does that relate to business? Would you say like doing a, you know, you imagine like like a scene from a movie, you know, like a a bunch of hostages, guys with guns and maybe masks and, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're holding some people and they want something, right? They're, they're a hostage negotiator. Negotiator. So how does that relate? You'd say to like a business negotiation?
1: Well, First, to address you know the movie aspect of it, you know, as as uh, as my father and, and and his comrades like to put it, the one thing that they always get right in those movies is the equipment. <laughs> and then, as far as the communication goes, it you know it's never anything like that, right? It's all drama and it's it's made for TV. And so, um, but but how it relates to the private sector, right? And what's the what's the translation? First of all, coming from this, this idea of no compromise, right? Uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about in the book, my father never had the opportunity to go in and say, you know, you got, you got four hostages, you know, give, give me two, you keep two, <laughs> right? And then everybody goes home, right? Win, win. We each got something we wanted, right? There's, you, you have to, you have to build rapport very quickly. You got to establish a relationship. You got to establish boundaries and then you got to walk out. With everything that you need, or, or you failed, and and so in business, right? How does that translate? Number one, people start to compromise themselves before they get to the table. Sometimes, right? Yeah, you know, if you're in if you're in negotiations, you're in communication at all, and you start to think about what we're going to say going in. You know, the thought of well, we can't ask them that, right? Because they're going to say this, and, and we start to compromise our position before we even get there, and so. A big part of it is getting out of that mindset and going in with, you know, information gathering, right? Drop the value proposition, drop the data as tough as that is, drop those things and go in and really, really with the intention of of navigating the information that, that you can only get when you're talking to the counterpart.
0: That's interesting side. You know, I, I, I think of it like, you know, and when it relates to mortgages and when it relates to dealing with a borrower, we don't always know what's in their head. Like, for instance, we may have a picture on our, on our end of what they want or what they you know what what's, what's going to drive them to want to take this loan, but we don't always know. Like, so, so, so for instance, um, I've had, I've had, you know, loan officers tell me before, like, you know, oh they're not going to take that deal. But then I say like, Hey, well, just pitch it to them. Just you know, just just show just. You don't know what they're going to say, right? Let them say no. Don't, don't be the one to say no for them. And uh, then they'll pitch the deal and then come to find out, you know, their motivation was totally different than what um, they thought it was. You know, it wasn't Let you know, maybe the interest rate's only slightly better, you know, but but they what they didn't know or the piece of information they, that, that we didn't have was that, you know, they have to get this loan out of, you know, someone else's name or, you know, they have uh, uh, some other event that, that's coming up that, you know, you know, where maybe that mortgage is due in in a month and they got to pay the whole thing in full. So they're not really concerned about necessarily dropping the rate so much. It's just about, you know, there's another motive. And I think I'm I'm sure there's something in, in, in kind of can connect to what you guys do to find a motive or to find, you know, find more information and really get the whole story. How does that kind of resonate with what you guys do?
1: Well, I think that's exactly it. There's, there's information. and, And so, well, let me, let me start like this. You know that there's no way for you to have complete information when you get to the table. So if you come to the table having decided on an outcome, knowing that there's holes in your information, what have you done to yourself? And so, right, there's, there's always other terms other than price that, that make up any given deal. And then, you know, what what emotions are tied to what they're trying to do, what they want to accomplish, right? That's exactly it. There's always always things that, um, that they're dealing with that only they can see. And so how does that affect what you're trying to accomplish? That's cool.
0: Now, um, being the son of a hostage negotiator and FBI agent, um, you gotta have a story. You gotta, you gotta kind of tell us, I don't know if there's any stories that you, you know, normally tell, but is there anything you can share with our audience that I think that's, I'm sure there's something that's exciting that, uh, we'd love to hear. I know it's not like the movies, like you said, but, um, certainly I, I imagine there's gotta be something that, uh, that can kind of, you can kind of share with us that has to do with the, the hostage negotiations, like a, a true story. Well, you have to, uh, something, or something names that's or names,
1: very cool very, is, um, and I, I think it's in regards to the Jeff Schilling case. Um, and the Jeff Schilling case is in the book and never split the difference. And and so they're trying to, you know, get across to the hostage taker that, you know, Jeffrey, the the person they're holding, is is a real person, right? And 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 don't hurt him. And this happened to be taking place. Um, you know, in, in an area that you know is a Muslim country, and 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 uh, you know, mothers are important in that country. And so, in 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 an, in in an effort to endear the hostage to the hostage taker, and also show them as a human being, and then also use the media. You know, the, these guys watch TV too, right? They they read the papers, right. they hear what's happening. And in order to use and also use the media as as a place of influence. They had Jeff's mother on TV, on the news, basically just saying, you know, don't hurt my son. Please don't hurt my son. And they had a conversation with the hostage taker over it. And and the hostage taker said, his mother knows about this. (laughs) You tell his mother he's okay. (laughs) And it's just and and being able to, to, to watch the news feed. Right and 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 see the mother on TV and and know he was behind the scenes and knowing all that was going on, you know, that was that was a cool thing. You know, that, that they was showed cool their
0: thing. cards right there. Yeah, they're like basically saying in in, in different words that they're not going to kill him or they're not going to harm him necessarily. Right.
1: That's it. That's it. They they found that um, interesting thing. If if they could get the hostage taker to use the name of the hostage, of the, of the person or people they had captive, uh, the chances of, of them actually hurting those individuals dropped drastically. Oh, wow. Drastically. So they actually you know, like, asked the- I want to say by like 800%. You know, it's some, something ridiculous.
0: So, they ask the uh, the hostage taker to like? So, who? What's the name of the like? They intentionally do that. Like, what's the name of the um, of the person you've got held there? Like, you know, do they try to get him to say the name and stuff. Is that a, a tactic?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they do it, right? And 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 they talk about those things in the book, which is cool, right? There's there's a negotiation nine list for a reason. So many different ways to approach the circumstance and, and, and your circumstance really dictates your strategy.
0: So growing up, did you ever, uh, you know, as all teenagers do, they negotiate with their parents. Did you ever have, was it difficult to ever like negotiate with your dad on things? Like, can I, can I stay out late? Like, do you have any stories like that?
1: Well, the one thing he likes to make note of is, is, uh, you know, in his job, they had to learn to talk through deadlines you know, and that, and and it's interesting. You know, we could talk about how that relates to business, kind of, a, a, and moving forward. But this whole idea of talking through deadlines and making sure that hostages didn't get killed on deadline, and what that took. And and when I had a curfew, when I when I when I moved in and 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 started living with him, my my senior year of high school, in the D.C. area, and I had a curfew. Uh, he was always impressed at the way that I would try to talk through the deadline of my curfew, and and based on the way. Where I was located at the time, and and I knew knew if I could have him on the phone, and I was close, I wasn't (laughs) actually there, you know, things were probably going to be okay, you know, as opposed to me uh, losing the car keys for three months or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> That's
0: cool. I could see where that would relate to say like a, uh, a borrower, you know, they're expecting, you know, to close on a certain time. And uh, I think the worst thing that mortgage brokers can do is, is to not communicate and just to be to kind of go dark or silent. And then obviously, they think the worst, right? Like you think the worst is happening, like, oh, my loans never going to close. And so being, you know, being able to be on the phone with them at that time, when they're supposed to be closing, even though you're not closing, it probably softens the blow um you know because that happens quite a bit in this business I don't know if you've if you ever bought a house or not but there's sometimes when things get delayed and it's it's out of your control so
1: yeah well yeah, those things happen and you know it's it's interesting that you know this relates kind of back to the hostage thing too and and when he was dealing with a family and his team was dealing with the family they'd have check-in days and mm-hmm. even if they were calling just to tell him that there was no new update
0: mm-hmm
1: just to get them on the phone. And it took 15 seconds. Hey, reaching out daily call, no new news today. You know, just having that interaction on a daily basis and what that did for the family emotionally and being able to keep them, keep themselves in control during the process. You know, I think that that relates very, very specifically, all all the emotions that are involved. And and you talk about people going dark, and and depending on negotiator type or where they're at or what side of the table you're sitting on how people react to silence and so people imagine the worst especially when when emotions are high they can they have a tendency to imagine the worst
0: that's right so let's let's one thing that i one thing that i heard from your dad uh, from the from his speaking to google was uh something about yes is a commitment and no is protection and to start with no can you tell us about that
1: Sure. Yeah. It's um. First of all, yes. Never. You never say yes to one thing, right? There's always multiple questions in your mind. And when people say yes, they're not always sure what they're saying yes to. And then, simple example, we talk about in the book, uh, when people make phone calls and they call someone up and they say, you know, do you have a few minutes, or can we talk? Right. And you're you're looking for that. Yes. Answer. Right. Yes, I do have a few minutes. Right. And really what's going on in that moment is the person, the person you're reaching out to, they actually have to answer four questions in their mind in order to say yes to that. That's right. Good point. Question is. Do I actually have a few minutes? If I do have a few minutes, do I want to talk to you? (laughs) If I do have a few minutes and do and I want to talk to you, do I want to talk about what you want to talk about? Right? And then if I if all those things all, all three of those things reign true, how do I get off the phone? <laughs> because we all know people where uh, they call us up and they say do you have a few minutes and it's 45. Right? right. It's it's at least a half it's an hour. It's
0: never a few minutes, right?
1: Yeah, it's and so We don't realize our intention is not that from our end, right? That's not what we intend. But that doesn't matter because that's what's being interpreted on the other side. That's what's that's what's ringing in their head. Right. And so when you go in and you change simple questions where you're looking for a yes to looking for a no, it shuts that that little that other voice in their head. Right. That's going. It shuts that voice down. There's something about the ability to say no to something mm-hmm. that just makes people because it, it, it also it's it, it protects your own autonomy.
0: It's kind of empowering. Well,
1: exactly. That's yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's empowering when people can say no when they can turn things down. They protect their autonomy and, it, and it's empowering. Yes.
0: So no is a good way to start a conversation. Tell us, I know that's part of the book too. It's, it's, uh, it, no is not the end of the conversation. No is, is how to start a conversation kind of thing, right? Well, that's that's part of it. That's part of it. Right. It's uh, I think I took a leap from what we were talking about into a whole other thing. So let's back up a little bit because I want to unpack that other thing you just said about. Uh, so give us a specific way to to make a phone call using that technique that you just like. How do you start a conversation?
1: Oh, it would be simply a uh, simple change would be is now a bad time.
0: That's a lot better. Because they can say, oh no no no, not a bad time to talk. I can talk. It's almost like doing a takeaway right and psych- psychologically. Well, it depends on,
1: on what you're aiming at right I mean it's um, uh, we talk about creating emotional moments in negotiation And so when you're talking about taking away taking something away, right what exactly are you looking to take away are you' t- trying to take away a negative feeling, you're trying to take away the little voice, you're trying to take away the heightened emotion.
0: Let me take away all those, all the, uh, what are you aiming at? Taking away all the uncertainty about, you know, you said there's four things that they had to decide. So you're taking away all that, right? You're, you're making it easy for them to say that they can talk when, um, let me give you an example. One of the things that I would do, um, as a loan officer, uh, when I would send out an email is I always, I always teach and I always use this because it works, is I always like to end the email with a question mark and I like it to be short and sweet. And sometimes I like to say something that, that gives them a chance to say no. So let me give you that example. So, um, I owned a website called afterforeclosure.com and people would um, go into that website. They'd fill out a form saying, "Hey, I want to, you know, I want to buy a house after foreclosure." And one of the things that I do is when I get that email from them, I'd reply back and I'd say, "Are you locked?" Like I'd ask them, like, "Thanks for you know doing the inquiry. Uh, looks like we might be able to help you. Like just a real quick three sentences." And then the last thing I would say was, "Are you presently locked in a lease?" And when I say that, takeaway is like. I think I know you could maybe unpack that better, but when I what I felt like is is a way for them to say no, I'm not locked in a lease, and because if you say if you say are you locked in a lease, you're almost saying like oh you may it's more like a disqualifier, like maybe you're not. It's an easy way for someone to say yes, I am qualified because I'm not locked in a lease. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it, it it does it does, and 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 one thing one 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 great point about email. That I I think you mentioned, especially in this day and age, there's we have so much communication through email and and more negotiation takes place through email than we probably wish would or or actually should in the long run. But, you know, that said, keeping things short. Right. Less is more in an email. Uh, You know, no, everyone's everyone's probably been guilty of writing a long email. Right. But it'd be would be hard pressed to find somebody that really liked reading a long email. <laughs> you know, everybody's written one, but find somebody who likes reading them. So right, and then get right to the point. And and so I I like that because you're I mean you are looking for a no. I mean the thing there is that that's your intention. And so this whole idea of of again empathy and and creating emotional moments, your intention of the question is felt by the other side. Hmm. But then understanding how they interpret that feeling is where you got to navigate the situation, right? And, and, it's, and it's, we, it's dangerous when we start to assume things based on what we think to be true. Right.
0: So by saying, is now a bad time to talk, it, what does that do to the mind? Like like you were talking about you know emotional or uh, empathy like what does that do to the mind when you say is now a bad time to talk?
1: You know what's interesting uh, in this day and age it's great that we have all this uh, all this all these brain studies and and all this technology we can actually like you know stick rods in people's brains and measure what's happening when when they yeah. see pictures when they when they say things while they're talking and so um, we know that. Uh, dopamine and serotonin are, are naturally occurring chemicals in, in the body. And, and we talk about ways to actually affect those chemical dumps through your communication, whether it be your tonal voice or, or you know, managing that emotion. And so I think when someone is looking to say no, if you're going to break it down from that side, you know, there's probably some sort of a serotonin dump, a mood regulating drug hmm. that's being dumped in because, they can they can turn you down, right? Essentially, right. they're turning something down.
0: You just they're gave not them power. They're,
1: they're, not, they're not tied to anything when they say no. No matter what it is, they're saying no to. And it's right. just
0: how you frame your question. That's very interesting. I love the way that that, that kind of works. Um, so, after you say, you know, is now a bad time, and they say no, is there a follow-up to that or you just get right into it or like what do you usually... Well, if you're scripting it out, right, depending on how you're looking at things and, and
1: what what your prep time is and all, all that comes into consideration, right, how much time we actually have. But uh, the next step would would probably be to stay a time frame. Right. Is it is, it, is, yeah. it, is it impossible to take 15 minutes out of your day? But then also be conscious of, especially if you're on the phone, right, have a timer next to you. And make sure that you keep that 15-minute mark. And at 13.58, you're interrupting the conversation no matter what to say, hey, you know, I want to make sure we keep this at 15 minutes. We got about a minute left. Last point, agree to meet again and then get them off the phone. Because at the very least, you know, we we also talk about impressions in negotiation. And so we all heard how how important first impressions are. Uh, Well, what's more important than a first impression? It's a last impression. Mm-hmm. You know, they've known, you don't want to talk about movies, you know, on Broadway and in the movie business, they've known for a long time. You give them a big finish, they'll forgive you for anything. Right. So right. understanding how last impressions affect people, managing the end of your conversation so that at the very least they walk away and you go, you know what, uh, when I talk to them, they never waste my time. That's cool. I get daily updates from them, even if they got no new news. And then if they got something important they got to talk about, it's never going to take more than 20 minutes.
0: Right. Well, if someone's long-winded and they're sitting there blabbing on the phone, you better believe the next time they see your number and your name coming on their phone, they're gonna <laughs> they're not going to answer it, right?
1: There's already an emotion. There's already some chemical dump going in. Maybe it's adrenaline. Maybe it's dopamine. Who knows? But, yeah. you know, <laughs> manage your last impression.
0: Yeah. I have a, a quick story. Um, when I, w- when the crash happened and I, and I didn't really know what to do with my, my life. Cause I'm, you know, been in the mortgage business for so long. Um, I got it, you know, I, I kind of picked up my music again and, and I, and I started working on uh, on, on, on songwriting and stuff like that. And so I had a manager at the time and, and we, would we, we would go and take meetings cause I was trying to get a publishing deal, uh, which is what songwriters do to yeah. get, to get, you know, to, to make a living. So, um, one of the things that he taught me was, you know, when you go to these meetings, the first thing you do is, you know, you, you, before it's before it's time for them to say bye or for them to kind of shoo you out, he said, you know, stand up and, and thank him for the meeting and start pretending like you're going to walk out because something about that, and I, I didn't really get the psychology at the time back then, but it made sense because they'd all be go, no, no, sit back down. Like, we want to talk more, you know, and, and so they would kind of like, I think it has to do with this whole no thing that you're talking about. Does that is yeah, that awesome some
1: too? Yeah, it's a big part of it, and and you know that that specific walk away at the table, right? That creates an emotional moment, and and how do you manage it? And one of the things I like about your description is he's not slamming his hands down on the table and going, "You, you know, you're unreasonable, right? I, we can't we can't agree to terms?" I kindly thank him for the meeting, you know, and I, I it would be when if you if you get Chris on here, have him tell you the story about. Uh, his friend, Ned Coletti, and, and that, may, that that name may ring some bells in some people's minds, but you know, he's got a famous story doing basically the same thing and completely changing the interaction because, you know, thank him kindly and started quietly packing up his stuff and, 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 and slowly heading for the door. And wait, 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 whoa, wait, 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 wait. Right? <laughs> right? We're still talking here. Yeah. And so, yeah, how do, how do, you, how do you manage that moment?
0: Right. That's interesting. So, um, I, I wanted to continue talking about, um, how no is not the end of a conversation. So like, like, like in the mortgage business, like, you know, you're talking to someone on the phone about, you know, a loan, right? You're giving them a pitch, you're pitching them like, okay, so here's what your payment's going to be. Here's, you know, here's this, here's that. And, and if they say no, you know, that's not necessarily the end of the conversation. You don't just go, okay, all right, well, thanks for your time, bye. You know, in this situation, you don't do the walk away thing. But how would no be a start of a conversation? Because I know that um, Chris has talked about that in the past.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, again, going back to the whole, right, we, we, we're hit with no when we're trying to push value. And, and and you know, don't get frustrated right, by that, right? Stay in the fight. Uh, that's just the beginning, Right, your mm-hmm. first no is just uh, the first trail to your to your next yes, right? Right. Uh, th- th- all those things, and 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 you got to be thick skinned. You know, essentially, that's that's what that boils down to. You know, right. you know you boil that down to, to plain and simple, you got to be thick skinned. And really, we we turn that we kind of turn that on its head a little bit because we're looking for no. We're trying to make them say no. It's not it's not about getting a rejection and figuring out how to bounce back it's, it's leaning the conversation to make them say no. So, you know, going back to our example before, um, is now bad time. Is it, is it gonna, is it gonna ruin your day? If I soak up the next 10, the next 15 minutes, Gotcha. two nos in a row, bang, bang. And now you've got them locked in for 15 minutes. And so at this point, you've probably got their full and undivided attention for maybe 15 seconds. (laughs) And so, are you going to waste that on accidentally running over and talking for two minutes? Or are you going to throw uh, you know, something like a label at them like we talk about in the book? Tell us about that. And open up the floodgates. What, what, what someone uh, uh, in one of the real estate courses I know my father's doing um, referred to as opening up the floodgates of truth-telling, right? So what are you going to do with your 15 seconds, right? Are you going to open the floodgates or – You're going to risk talking about something that they have no interest in
0: hmm so what do you do i mean i I think maybe getting i think hostage negotiations from what i understand is i I understand very little about it but from what i understand is you gotta try to get personal right you got and i think in in all negotiations and sales you want to get personal in some some ways and is that is do you use that 15 seconds to get personal like to ask them to talk about something that they like to trigger some of those dopamines or, you know, those, those, uh, those emotions.
1: Rapport building is a quintessential part of communication as long as human beings are involved. Right. And there's just no way around that. And so, uh, you know, we talk about negotiator type, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but talk about negotiator type, which just really boils down to fly- fight, flight, or make friends. Hmm. And so what's the process for rapport building, which is with each one of those types, because it's going to be a little bit different. Everyone, you know, everyone knows relationships are important. Everyone values them at a different level. Mm-hmm. And so, you know again understanding your counterpart and and a lot of that's going to come from them doing the talking and and I think we you know if you if you're in in say, if you consider yourself in sales or in a negotiation capacity of, of any of any type um we're not learning when we're the ones that are doing the talking and right. so how do you make yourself smarter in every interaction because right, and not every deal is made, right? We 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 say negotiations about making deals, but if you didn't make a deal, did you still negotiate? Right. Yeah. Did you get smarter along the way, right? And that's part of closing the deals that nobody else can close because you discover the information nobody else can find.
0: That's good. So um, you're not going to necessarily once they say no, you know, it's not going to ruin my day. Um, yeah. Great. And if you've never talked to a person before, you're not going to go in to say like, hey, you know, how's your family or you, know, you won't do that's awkward. Right. So I think I guess the next time, next thing is you're, you are stating, you know, what your purpose of your call is, or if you already know what that purpose is, then you just kind of get into, into it. But I, I like when you're, you're talking about, you know, if you're, if you're talking, you're not learning. And uh, the, the whole goal in negotiation is you want to learn as much as you can about that other side and what their their motive and their goals are, uh, in order for you to formulate a strategic and, and and a smart way of getting to that finish line, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. That's exactly it. And even just to add more to what you said, because that's that's a, a huge part of it. We also, when we make the mistake of assuming that we're we're talking to the entire decision making party. Hmm. And, and that said, it's just always, you always got to be aware. It doesn't matter what level of negotiation you're at. There's always people that are not at the table that whoever you're talking to uses to make decisions, whether it's a wife or a board of directors or another high level executive or, you know, whoever, there's other people away from the table that they help manage that helps them manage their decisions. And so how are you affecting those conversations as well? Those conversations as well. It's always something you got to consider.
0: It's good. It's good. So um, I know you have a story about the words that's right. Um, some kind of football story and and how uh, the words that's right. If you can get them to say that's right, there's a, there, there's a power to that. Will you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, it's... Um there is there is a lot of power to it, and and the the best comparison, especially in this day and age, that I can make is uh, a political one. And again, okay. we won't go down a rabbit hole, but sure, you know, it's it's
0: there's a negotiation easy, happening well. right now, as we all know, with the government shutdown. <laughs> exactly right. But but that said, when you see
1: when you see it, doesn't matter what, who you support, what what it is, you're still a human being. When you when you're watching TV and you see a politician you support. And they say something that you agree with. You look at the TV and you go, "That's right, that's right." Absolutely. And so, you know, think about what emotion is taking place at that time, right? And how much you wholeheartedly agree with what this person is saying. And so, how do you how do you create that emotional moment in negotiation? Hmm. Right. You get them to say that's right. What do you get them to say? That's right, too. Right. And and of course, circumstance defines strategy. So going to your football story, um, I I was I was being moved from uh, uh, lineman to linebacker. Never played linebacker before. And uh, it's a completely different position. You know, as as a lineman, for those of you that are not familiar with American football, you're 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 right on top of where the football is, which is where the line is, the imaginary line. That, the mm-hmm. offense, that divides the offense and defenses, right? The guys that have their hands on the ground, mm-hmm. those are linemen. And then the guys standing right behind them on the defensive side, those are linebackers. And the responsibilities are very different. And uh, one of the big differences is linemen hit each other, right? Mm-hmm. You, you come out of your stance and you hit the man in front of you. That's what you do. Linebackers don't do that. Their job is to get to the ball. Right. right. There's, if there's people in the way, you know you're not nece- you're not necessarily supposed to make contact with them. You know, uh, there's there's a swim move, there's rip moves, right? There's all these things that you learn that your coaches teach you in practice, but don't get caught up in contact because you got to make a tackle, you got to make a play. And so when I moved to linebacker, my first thought was when someone was trying to hit me. Mm-hmm. If I got out of the way, you know, I was the chicken, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's also mm-hmm. a sense of pride on the line of scrimmage right? between, between that that battle of men, as it were. And sure. it comes down to, I mean, it does come down to pride. I mean, you're going to get beat up or you're not. <laughs> and so, and and, and, and taking that into to the linebacker, if someone was trying to block me, I didn't want to get out of the way. I wanted to knock them down. Right. Know, I want to. I want to. I want to knock them down. I want them to know that if you're going to tangle with me, it's going to. It's going to hurt every time. Sure. And so it's much more of a subconscious thing as I'm playing the position because uh, we'd be in a game and and I'd knock down four or five people and and someone else would make a tackle and I wouldn't make the play but I would cause havoc. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, and and the coach was trying to tell me don't do that. You know, dodge the blocks. And my father was telling me the same thing. And, you know, knowing me and knowing the circumstance, he wanted to get a that's right out of me. And he pulled me aside and said, when someone's trying to hit you, you don't want to get out of the way because it makes you feel like less of a man. Mm. It hurts your pride and your ego. If someone's trying to hit you and you you try to get you try to get out of their way and, and try to dodge them as if you're, you're like backing down because,
0: or something. Right. Exactly. Because
1: you're backing down. And I and I looked at him and I said, I said, that's right. <laughs> and so what's interesting about this from my point of view was the, the, the very next game that I, that we played. And of course it happened to be a game I got, I got hurt in that year, but, um, uh, the first lineman I dodged, we, we locked eyes. I mean, and it was, it was full intention. Like, you know, we're, uh, this is going to happen, right? This is, this is a battle. It's about to be a train wreck. Right. And I, I hit him with a nice little swim move. We ended up talking about it after the game and, and uh, he kind of fell flat on his face, in, in the middle of the <laughs> field, and, and I made the tackle in the hole. And the my the first thought in my mind was, "You wuss," right? Like in my head, that's what I what I told yeah, myself. You,
0: you dodged a you dodged the opportunity to block, smash right. In. It just, internally, it was just I, it was something I had
1: I had to fight that, and so it, it completely changed my behavior once that was brought out into the light. And he mm. and he did that through what we refer to as the summary. And so how do you change behavior of a counterpart you're dealing with? And, and, and you're, you know, if you're a broker and you're trying to get a borrower, how do you change their behavior by by summarizing what they see so succinctly that all they can say is, that's right. Like, you got it. You totally understand me. I, I trust you more now because I can feel that you understand what I'm seeing.
0: So that's good. It, it makes it, – so it's a, there's a good point there. I mean, if you – if you understand what the borrower wants and what they want to accomplish and then you reiterate that or you say that back to them there's a there's a power in that because they really truly feel that you understand them and you know and they then they can trust you right because then they know okay wow he knows what's in my head or she knows what's in my head so that they can move forward and, uh, and, and, and accomplish that. So then they kind of like, I guess they probably like can, can then like have less stress about the deal, less, uh, less fear, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's
1: not even just in this business. It's a human nature concept, but people trust and feel more comfortable around those they feel understood by. Interesting. That's why people who smoke make friends. People who go to the bar make friends. Right. That's why people do business with each other. You know, they, they trust those they feel understood by.
0: That's a good point. Very good point. Um, I know uh, you guys also talk about emotional intelligence. Can you Can you share about that? Sure. So... Um, you know, right? The the
1: whole EQ versus IQ argument, and and which is more important, and which more which is more closely ties to, tied to success. And there's more and more studies coming out these days that shows EQ is is much more closely tied to success. That's so why guys like Richard Branson and 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 and, and, and Tony Robbins are. are, are Are so Mm -hmm. popular and guys like you know samuel jackson is in is in all movies and shows because it you know they're easy to get along with right people like guys like mark Wahlberg, right we'll throw them in every movie we like (laughs) you know so that's this whole this whole right this emotional intelligence thing being being tied to success and you know iq is defined at a young age right you're 10 11 12 years old that's your iq it's never going to change no matter what you do it's that's it's pretty much a set marker EQ is is something you continue to, you can you can continue to improve into your late eighties. Hmm. And what what is what is it? I mean, so what? for you know, us guys out there, right, us married guys, I'm a recently married guy myself, right. We can continue to get smarter, right. The arguments with the wife might actually get easier <laughs> as time goes on, as <laughs> we figure out this emotional intelligence thing. But yeah, it's 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 an action. You know, I think that's what's really missing and what what we don't understand, and that's. That's why we relate it so close to what we call tactical empathy. It's, it's, it's an actionable item. Hmm. And so how do we put the words together to take action?
0: Interesting. So um, it's something you can learn, you can evolve, you can get better at. Uh, it's something that you, that really relates to how much effort you want to you know, put into it to get back. Uh, is, that, is that right?
1: It is, it is. And so, you know, not to be confused with sympathy, Right. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes we get tripped up. And, and emotional intelligence, there's 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 a two part definition of it. The first part is simply being aware of your own emotions and being able to keep them under control. Mm. And the second part of that is being uh, very acutely aware of your counterpart's emotions and then being able to influence those emotions, being able to recognize them, see that they're there, understand their existence And then, uh, you know, and influence, influence, how those things affect the decision making. So it it doesn't include agreement. Mm -hmm. It doesn't include feeling it yourself. What it really boils down to is acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And so and that's, I think, where we're we kind of stand out in a lot of ways is is we help people actually put the words together. What do the phrases look like? Mm-hmm. You know, why do we have this this negotiation nine list and these other tools? And then how do you put them together?
0: It's good. And, and it, I, I can see where, it. you know, listening is a big part of that. Listening and listening with intent, not just listening. There's two different ways of listening, right? You can, because some people listen just okay. so they can say the next thing, yeah. right? Versus listening and trying to understand what someone, where they're coming from. And I think a lot of problems can be fixed by taking you know even one minute or 15 seconds to really listen you know
1: yeah yeah that's it i mean i think you know stephen covey has really uh, really put it out in the world in a big way and and just what he described as you know seek first to understand before being understood mm-hmm. and and that's and and that's that's a great way to look at it and then kind of I think where we fill in a lot of holes is that how do you do that? You know, mm-hmm. what does it look like? What, what's the sequencing? What's the process? And and to even kind of add more to it, um, seek first to understand in order to be understood.
0: Mm. That's correct.
1: Right. And in, 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 in order for them to then see your point of view. And that's, that's where what we talk about in the book, this whole idea of forced empathy, right? When you want them to see what you're looking at. And then it's how you sequence it out. Right. I think it's not so much that it it's not that it doesn't have its place. It's where does it go? And the thing is, it can't go first. And what's great about that is if you do everything else right, you discover those black swans, you you build that trust and rapport quickly because you display the understanding that they don't even need to hear your side to agree to what you want. It's mm-hmm. amazing what that what those emotions then create, right? They, they, it eliminates that need for bark. Like, yeah, let's do business. Right.
0: It goes back to what you're saying, like uh, people want to do business with people they trust. People want to do business with people that they have something in common with, like the smoking thing. You, you're you right. You always see people pack together, whether it's they're into football or whether they're into smoke, you know, whatever it is that they, they like to hang out. And so having that connection, I think that with sales too, it, it, it kind of reminds me of a book I read a long time ago. I, I remember Early on when I first got into sales, like my first loan officer job, I went to Barnes and Nobles. I don't know if anyone remembers that store, but, um, it went to Barnes and Nobles and, there was a book, you know, self-help book section, and I saw this book, and I, you know, I saw a bunch of different books, but one that stood out was, the title was How to Get Anyone to Do Anything. And I, like, looked at that yeah. book, and I was like, whoa, that's, that seems kind of powerful. That seems cool. So I read a couple things. And I go, okay, I'll, I'll buy that book. And I just never forget, when I went to the, um, the check out, and I, I had, I think, two books. Uh, the, this elderly lady um, looks at the book and she reads it and then she looks up at me and then she looks back down at the book, reads it again, looks back up at me and she looks at me and she goes, you be very careful with this book, young man. <laughs> and I just remember, you know, the, the book had all kinds of like, you know, things about that but like one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is like if if you learn the ability to negotiate and you learn all these kind of tricks do you ever feel like you have kind of like a superpower is there like a you know is there like a, a moment when you realize wow I and not to you want to be a manipulator no one wants no one that could backfire and become you know the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish but you know like is there is something to it that I think is rewarding knowing that you can you know somewhat it's almost like a chess player, like you kinda know what's gonna happen if you do things right. Is it is there something to that? Yeah, you know, it's it's
1: there's so many elements to that question that I feel like I I could come at that from and, and so um please help me redirect if I get too far off topic here because I just sure. got a lot bounce around it because I think it's a great question. But um first of all you know, I think one of the one of the problems with negotiation and what scares people is the undertone that one side's going to get taken advantage of. Right. And so and then and then also there's this thought of in negotiation, there's a silver bullet. Right. Mm-hmm. If I if I say the exact right thing, it'll be like I sprinkle fairy dust on them and they <laughs> just agreed to what I wanted. Right. And that that whole thing. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, people people make deals because they feel like it. Right. Now, do they feel like it because they're under tremendous amounts of pressure from you or what they're feeling on their side or the threat of loss or whatever it is, you know, all those negative things, or do they feel like doing it because, you know, they got trust and rapport and they feel understood. And so mm-hmm. so the skills are, are designed to um, create a collaborative environment where both sides make a lot of money. Right. We're mm-hmm. making we're making good agreements. You know, we don't want agreements that that end up hurting either side. And so, right? Um, right what does that look like? So, you know, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think I think when you go in when you go in with the intention of navigating, understanding, then it changes your perspective a little bit as far as trying to pitch value or show them the way, mm-hmm. because. Right. There's all kinds of buyers data out there anyway. Right. The buyer's journey statistics that, you know, up to 70 percent of their their mind is made up before we even speak. Right. And so nobody's close rate 70 percent. Sure. Think about that. And it's like, well, if we're on the phone and we want to assume they have an open mind and 70 percent made up, why are not we closing 70 percent? And so, um, you know, the misconception, again, that they do have an open mind. If they got a 70% mind made up, then it's just whether or not they made up their mind about you or they made up their mind about something else and they're just wasting your time. So there's, there's a lot of elements and it's just how, how you, um, how you approach the conversation from trying to, trying to, trying to understand. And, and also what that does for you is you don't got to do a lot of work. (laughs) You know, it's, it, it alleviates your side. If you go in with the intention of, we're going to see what they have to say. And then we're going to, we're going to agree to meet again. Right. In the first, in the first couple of stages of negotiation, that takes a tremendous amount of pressure off of you. So, I know that was long winded. Uh, you know, I I, I kind of jumped good. way all over the place. But you know, does that does that add to the conversation? Or and that's a, is it is it ridiculous to say that that added to the conversation at least a little? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. And and you know, I I think it's. There's so many ways, and there's so many books. I mean, I uh, one of the things that people say is like the power of yes, right? So when we first started talking about this no thing, you know, it's like, well, what about yes? You want them to get them to say yes, 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 so then they say yes to the deal, right? So it's like, where do you cross from no to yes? And, and then I know there's a, I know there's probably a tactic in there somewhere, right? Like.
1: Well, so, you know, there's, 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 I don't like to refer to them necessarily as training wheels, but that's one way to look at it. And and so how do you start, how do you kind of start the momentum to get a good, no question started or get, get, get a good label started um, where you're not necessarily going for like that. Yes. That closed ended. Yes. All right. And one of the ones we talk about in the book is have you given up on, right? And when we talk about that in the context of, uh, through email, you haven't heard from somebody in a while, you know, you don't know what's going on with the deal. Have you given up on X? Put in the subject line and shoot it out there. That's good. So the, the other thing about the emotional moment too that's created there is, you know, nobody likes to give up. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. To be equipped. Right. And that's human nature. And so structuring it in there in that sort of way. And then of course, putting the subject line, nothing in the email body, we know human nature is people scan their subject lines when they read their email. Yeah. And cipher mentally the levels of importance. And then some people get responded to and not everybody does right away. And so understanding that as well, writing the subject line front and center. And, and now you're, you you're sparking a new conversation.
0: That's a great tool because I, I, I've never heard anyone tell me what should I put in the subject line? That, that is a great tool. That I'm going to add to my uh, end, a, um, end a, an email with a question mark, because I always like to do that if I, if I want a response and I'd like to keep it really short, but also to put that in the, uh, in the subject line, that's huge. Uh, now imagine that works. Have you ever seen, do you have any statistics or do you have any, anything where like you've talked to someone and, you know, given a couple tips like this business wise and they're like, wow, man, that changed the responses or, you know, anything like that?
1: Well, a couple of things. One more just to add to uh, emails, ending your emails. How does this sound? Mm. Is it a bad way to end an email? You don't want to use that. Terms. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, i um, sorry, what was it? What was the original question? Cause now, now I lost my thought.
0: No, no. Um, how, so don't end the, don't end with how does this sound? No, how
1: does, how does this sound? Yeah. End with that. Like use that as end an ending. End with that. Grade
0: gotcha. Grade. I was, I was, I was thinking you were saying don't end with that. I was like, whoa, we, we end with that a lot. <laughs> you, no,
1: That's I good. Took how off, does kind it of sound? A
0: little tangent there before I, before I, uh, answered your
1: original question there.
0: No, no. Um, I was saying, do you have any examples of people who've, who've come back to you and said, after you've given them these tips, like what has been the, the percentage of, of response rate kind of going up or like the, uh, cause cause I know there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of marketing and they're not getting a response. So if you do these things, like if you add that subject line thing, or if you end a sentence, you know, a short sentence, like, how does that sound? Question mark. Have you seen, like, what has been the response from your clients? Um, you know, cause you, you do business to business, right? Like you, are teaching people. So what have, what have they said to you about like, wow, that, that's changed my business or that's improved, you know, my responses from my clients. Like, what do they say? Yeah. So a
1: couple, couple different things. And, and, uh, um, so the longest, that we know of as a response time to a no oriented question through email with the subject line is 24 hours
0: Mm -hmm. and it
1: happened to my dad. And it's because the receiver was on the other side of the world at different time, way different time zone. (laughs) And other than that, uh, what we're hearing from, you know, from our fan base, from our subscribers, from people that come to our one day seminars and the people we coach, um, never more than two hours. Pretty typical, you're going to get a response in under 20 minutes. That's huge. So the other part of that, too, is and that's and that's specific to the nor into question. How does this sound? It's kind of is a different thing, right? We're talking we're talking a little bit different context as opposed to, right. you know, no message body at all. And you're just using the subject line. And so uh, along with that, you got to be ready for your follow up. Mm-hmm. So We've all heard the phrase. um, the strategy you're using is designed to give you the result that you have, right? I'm, I'm probably really butchering that cliche, but <laughs> no, it's, right? You got to change your strategy. You want to change your result? You got to change your strategy, right? The whole right. You don't want to be he,
0: insane. He, he, he
1: against the wall and, and expecting, you know, a change is not gonna happen, and it's right. expecting it not to hurt, right? Is that's not gonna change? Right. So changing your approach, and so when they re-engage you after the nor into question. You got to have some follow up ready to go. You got to have what we like to refer to as calibrated questions. You're probably going to want to have some some pocket labels that you're ready to hit them with because you got a strategy on on where you want to to end that conversation and what you're trying to get out of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, funny story with in regards to you know when when Tall was was helping us write the book and uh, and he's a great writer, man. I, I tell you, great guy, extremely intelligent. You know, one of the cool things he, he figured he had to read every every negotiation book that was ever written uh, <laughs> when he was when he was going to work with us. And, and so but he's got a sister dealing with a boss or dealing with, a uh, you know, she's self-employed and dealing with a client and having problems and not getting engagement. Things are falling <laughs> apart, doesn't know what to do. So we talked to him. He, he lays it out for us. We talked to him about this no oriented strategy and then specific calibrated questions that have his follow-up. He explains it to his sister and, you know, her is her. It's like, I haven't spoken to this guy. and He's not going to respond. There's no way. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> she takes it for granted and just, she takes the little no into question piece, doesn't prepare any of her calibrated questions, sends the email and the guy calls her six minutes later. <laughs> he calls her phone direct. She didn't know what to say. <laughs> so on Guard, right. We, we say in preparation, you fall to your highest level of prep. Right. You don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your highest level of prep. So in that moment, she didn't rise to the occasion; she fell back to the same exact behavior that she'd been doing that caused this in the first place, and things. And you know, she she didn't get to where she wanted to go. Interesting. Right, so she, got the, she got the engagement, right? And then it's just a matter of what 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 strategy to use to move forward.
0: Right. Right. You got to be ready for that because it's gonna work.
1: Yeah, you right. know it's it's cool and it's, it's fun to have like tall and and different people and and you know I, I wish we had more time. I mean, had so many stories from different fans and things and and then it makes you smarter, right? it's uh you know yeah. speaking of books, there's a book and, and I'm looking because I got it behind me here, uh, the Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, and he the talks about accelerated learning, okay, and what it takes and and you got to screw things up in order to learn it fast,
0: right. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, the, last questions that I, the last question that I want to ask you is something I like to ask people. You said when you screw something up, you learn fast. So what is your favorite failure? What, what is something you can share with us that's been like a failure you've learned from, but it's a good failure? You know, may have been a bad failure, but something that, that stands out that, that you could really share with us that might relate.
1: You know, I think I, I think it'd be fun to kind of refer to like a, a father, son, right? Parent. Child thing and and a failure over and over that I think all if you got if you've ever had parents or you've ever had a guardian or someone that's looked after you and you Mm -hmm. were a kid growing up in that household and you ever asked the question you know mom can I dad can I grandma can I auntie can I right and that whole uh, and it's a it's a yes thing we want we want to get a yes there's something that we want from them and. That puts a lot of stress on them, right? Because yeah. it's like, well, what are you thinking, you little, you, you, right? You little, you little, <laughs> Leave me alone. Go back to your homework. <laughs> yeah. What's really going on in this kid's head, right? There's so much. Right. Your parent knows you're up to no good. Right. So, And I did that, too, with my dad. And he talks about, you know, when we teach together, he loves to talk about that. And he says, you know, I'd always, I'd always shut him down, right? Before he even finished, I'd be like, no, no. Yeah. Before he even got a chance to ask me what it was. But then, once I was able to say no to him, right? Then five minutes later, right? All parents do that. No, right? They know they know the kids gonna ask them something they don't want. Right. And then a couple minutes later, you find yourself going, uh, what, "What was it? What, what were you asking me? What was that thing?" Yeah. Uh, right? The other day, you you asked me the thing, right? Even if it's a couple days. And so, right, that thought process and what that does, and even hearing him talk about it as a parent. And seeing is it, as it, as it true to be the human? It's 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 true to human nature,
0: right? I think parents do it all the time. I do it all the time. I have two. I have twins that are thirteen, and with other with other people, in, yeah. a, in a stressful negotiation environment, right? So what? Uh, so what's the answer? <laughs> well, the answer is getting people to say no, makes them feel protected, right? They're going right. back to that right. original yeah,
1: idea. Yeah. And then right. it makes it easier for them to trust you, right? Because you're not you're not trying to pin them down to anything. Exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's another small building block towards rapport. And you're actually, you're crossing several bridges at the same time.
0: Is there something in real estate? Real estate don't owe me anything. Right? Oh, sorry, go ahead. What was that? Sorry to cut you off. Is there something in real estate that is related relatable to the no? Like a question that you've, you've seen common to, to get someone in like, and maybe it could relate in mortgages or it could relate in, in real estate. Like what's a good opening question that that you'd want them to get to say no to? Like I I say, like, are you, are you locked in a lease? That's what my, my question is like, are you locked in a lease and you can't buy a house? That's a a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and please forgive me. I didn't,
1: I didn't shed any light on that earlier. I, I do like that question. I mean, it gets right to the point, and again, you're aiming you're aiming for that no, and you're trying right. to keep your, your communication short in that in that regard. So, yeah, that's not, that's not a bad one, and and I think emotionally, especially when it comes to to residential real estate, commercial real estate even applies to a certain degree because it can be so big, right. and, and you know how people are tied to the business, but especially in residential, it's you know people are making you know uh, they're moving their lives around. Right. right. There's a, a direct connection to how they live their life, especially in regards to a home. Right. Where they're renting it out or they're living in it or it's somewhere they go the summer or it's getting foreclosed on. <laughs> and now they got to pick up and move their life somewhere else. Sure. Right. There's yeah. a direct connection to, you know, the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs when it comes to shelter that are that are affected in human beings. So, right. you know, being able to manage that. And, and so easy ways to say to use a oriented question is, you know, we sh- I said, is it ridiculous? Right. That's, that's sure. A, that's a one we like. Is it ridiculous? Would it be out of line? Would I be wasting your time?
0: Would you disagree? I'm writing these down. These are good things. So um, what about like, is your payment low enough?
1: We, <laughs> we talk about them and we, we talk about them in our training. But, you know, those are just a few
0: yeah I I can think of some like is your payment low enough is your mortgage payment low enough no it's not low low enough it's It's killing me yeah Yeah, or, or uh, <laughs> yeah. There's like stuff so, like, do you have enough money? Like, no, I don't have enough. Like, most people want a little bit more money. Or, do you do you have do you have enough? Did you have do you have a vacation? Uh, other things that people need to spend money on, right? They want to remodel their kitchen. They want to um, pay for their kids' schools. You know, for college, they want to pay for a wedding. They want to pay for. Uh, there's all kinds of events that you could you could work that no around. Um, I think that's. That's good. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Brandon. This has been really good. Where can uh, my followers and uh, viewers find you and find more information? All right, so a um, uh, couple couple things. First first our
1: website uh is blackswanltd.com. So black like the color, swan like the bird with one end, ltd like limited.com. Uh, And then also, uh, if you want to sign up, we got a We got a weekly blog comes out Tuesday mornings and it's it's, uh, designed to drop in your inbox about 9 a.m. Your local time, wherever you're at in the world. And um, if you text the words FBI Empathy, all capital letters to 28228. You can text it to that, and you, know, you it'll it'll prompt you for an automatic sign up. Um, I've heard some people have had some issues with the iPhone, just kind of heads up there. Uh, but and you can also sign up on our website, right? It's a, we got a little box on the right there. But you know, those are two best ways. And and our newsletter has a lot of updates on what the company's doing. You know, any marketing that that we put out or, or sessions we're doing, it hits our it hits our blog before it even hits the website.
0: Very cool. All right, Brandon, appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. I had a blast, man. This was cool. Thank
1: you for the time.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fund Loans together.